Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. We're going to come a lot stronger than the Big 12 did over the weekend. Goodness gracious, it was not a good weekend for the league. Oklahoma loses. Good luck figuring out whatever Oklahoma State is at this point because they go on the road and beat Iowa State. I have no idea. Yeah, not good for the top end. Good for the bottom end. Did y'all see that bat-esque crazy ending to the Tech? Kansas game? Oh, the, the, the fumble after the, 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 the block yeah, field the block goal lateral? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was freaky. And yeah. it wasn't even a full, like, Leon Leddish. He was, was he trying to lateral it or was then, he just – No, it looked like he was trying to lateral it. No, he was trying to lateral it and gave it back. Yeah, that was – I'll tell you this, Rod. I hope he was trying to lateral it. actually. Yeah, that's – yeah, I don't know. That's just bad. Yeah, that's bad. And then Baylor, the best team in the Big 12 – was off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? the only reason Baylor didn't have a bad weekend is because they didn't play. <laughs> they survived. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, the Big 12 is, is weird, man. It's strange. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into the the strangest part of it. And, the, and we, yeah, we got to bring it down. Yeah. Um, Tom Herman doesn't have very many double-digit losses in his career. Rod, two of them are at the hands of Gary Patterson. Oh, that's good. So maybe okay. maybe now we're dealing with a whole new different purple kryptonite around this program. It's true, yeah. And then there's for Mac Brown, it was Bill Snyder, and State. for somehow Ron Prince, uh, for, well, Tom for, Herm, for Tom it, Herman, it might just be Gary Patterson. No, nah, not just for Tom Herman, though. Gary Patterson's been whipping a lot of Texas coaches around these parts. He's 6-2 since he got look, to the Big 12. I, tr- so. I told myself yeah, I wasn't going to think about Tom those Herman Charlie Strong one. losses, so can we just not go there? I told I'm just myself saying, I wasn't like, going to hey, think man, about He ain't that. the only one. That everybody purple. got some of that. Everybody got some from Gary Patterson. Get that perp. Like, did, Charlie, get some of this. did Charlie Strong ever have a sequence in a game against Paris, Gary Patterson where his teams where you felt like, okay, they got a chance? Like, those games were never close. No, no that one, like, 50-7 to seven was about as brutal as any OU loss or Again, any loss Matt, I've ever had. Why you gotta, why you got to bring that up? It's, it's just true. horrid. Why you got to bring that up? <laughs> well, we can go I'm back. trying you to block up, stuff out of my memory, and well, you just gonna, you're just going to go bring it up. Well, you're on the purple, and uh, before we started recording, you were talking about how you had your binoculars out. Did you see – Coach Bill Snyder watching the game via his binoculars from above against Oklahoma. It was really good. Oh, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, just Snyder, pure old man up in the boots, but <laughs> he had to awesome. get the binoculars no, up so he could see the game yeah. up close. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Here's awesome. how floored I was with the K-State-Oklahoma outcome. Uh, people were like, man, it's 34-23. I'm like, okay, let me know when K-State gets like a, a little bit closer. Like, no, no, Kansas State's winning. I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I when I I think I was uh, calling a high school game. Yeah, it was Travis Crockett at the time, and I couldn't believe it. Like when they told me, it's like, no, Oklahoma just lost to Case State. I was like, Case State. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn it, that means we might lose to Case State. <laughs> First thing I thought about, I was like, damn it, that means we're probably gonna lose to Case State. Or there's yep. a good chance we could. Well, forget yeah. K-State, Rock. You had to worry about TCU yeah. first. And uh, 37-27, Texas yeah. loses the game. We'll break it all down here on this edition of Longhorn Blitz. And we don't even have anything to look forward to because there's a bye week this week. So, <laughs> no, uh, we, we just got to 
they need him and we all need it. I just like the way he phrased it. We have nothing to look forward to. Because, <laughs> like, that was like, he, he's talking about the bye week. Okay, no, not this. Yeah, in my instant reactions piece from the game, I have a little portion in there where it says reason to be optimistic. I said, there's no reason to be optimistic after this. You have nothing to be optimistic about. Yes, there is. There's a few little things. There's a couple of things, yes. I will, I'll beg to there, there the, the worrisome thing to, is, is but the things that you sucked alone. at, you yes. sort of maybe improved a little at in certain areas, but then the areas that you sort of were relying upon yeah. weren't there, so you sort of wondered, well... Is the latter the former or the former the latter? Are you going to get maybe some improvements in the areas needed? Because I trust some of the areas that made the mistakes. But if now we're continuing to have mistakes in the other areas that you thought were strengths, then where the hell is this team going to be? Yeah. All right. I am Jeff Howell. Let me formally bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drum machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Hey, man. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm making it. There you go. And <laughs> That's how every Longhorn fan feels. Like, yeah. you know, I'm making it. Pretty much. And <laughs> lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes back in, I will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Oh, when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, you get that black card. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. I know you're speeding through it because you want to get right to it. Nah, it's just kind of one of those deals that just comes naturally to yeah, me. Yeah, that's now, true. Even I still, still WWE promo, I butcher it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um Rod, I guess let's start with the defense. Because that's what we were talking about before we actually started rolling on this okay. show. Yeah, I think we should start there. And I think it ties into the big picture because if you're a Texas fan, like it's one thing to be upset about the loss and the trajectory of the program, which five and three through eight games, it's not where anybody expected this program to be. And a two point win over Kansas, it just doesn't, it's hard to see upward movement from Texas right now. But to me, I think if you really want to be concerned about something, Let's start with the defense because in the three losses and in the Kansas game, and even against West Virginia, if you want to take it to that point, regardless of what the performance was up to that point in the game, which in some games it was bad, some cases it was poor, some cases there were things you could feel your hunt, you, you felt you could hang your hat on. In each of those games I just mentioned, the defense had a chance to, in the fourth quarter, in a either close out a game like West Virginia or Kansas or in a one-possession game to get the ball back for the offense like LSU or like Oklahoma or like on Saturday against TCU, it was simple. Hey, just get a stop. And on that last scoring drive TCU had, you had two chances to get off the field, once on third and 11, once on third and 14. And Rod, that's a defense you just got pantsed. In both of those situations. And it's the same stuff that keeps happening over and over again. I almost think, and this is why I say stuff like this that might just drive people nuts, but this is why I say it. Forget about, like, total yards allowed. Like, don't necessarily look at that as success or failure. Mm -hmm. Even, like, Oklahoma's defense, why was why, why did we not have a problem with Oklahoma's defense? Like, why were they able to overcome it? Because at least at times late in games, Oklahoma's defense was able to get a stop or two. Or like you think about like those Art Browns Baylor teams, mm -hmm. at least yeah. they at some point they'd be able to force a turnover. Hell, we talked about Oklahoma State won the Big Twelve one year mm -hmm. with an awful defense in terms of yards per play allowed, yards per game allowed. They were just turning turning over everybody. Yeah, they were like plus forty something or whatever it was in turnover margin. But this defense, when they've had prime opportunities to 
kind of get it back, kind of build some goodwill back, get the ball back for the offense, give yourself a chance to win a game. They've failed pretty much every time they've tried to do that this year. Um, yeah, but it's for different reasons, and I think that's the concern, right? Sometimes, you know, early on we were, were pointing out the missed tackles. Going into this game, they were averaging 17 missed tackles a game uh, against Power 5 opponents. In this game, they only missed nine missed tackles that I counted. And that was the tackling was better. Yeah, the tackling the tackling seemed to be much better. Guys seemed to be in the right position, taking better angles to the football. Uh, now, something else that was exposed was the um, kind of the the, the I would say is, is Todd Orlando and some of his tendencies and preferences defensively that I think offensive coordinators have figured out. Instead of there are two things that they're doing against the Texas defense. Instead of trying to uh, break down and somehow find a way to solve the Todd Orlando defensive strategy schematically, they're just saying, you know what, it's like a poker game, right? Instead of playing the hand, play the man. Mm-hmm. And instead of you know what I mean playing right instead of uh, playing the, the playing the, the the play the players playing the hand, play the the players or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I'm sure I got the saying wrong, but whatever, you get it. And they're doing that with Todd Orlando now because they know Todd Orlando at certain points in the game, pivotal points in the game that you just pointed out to get specifically back to what you were saying, the third and 11, the third and 14. Now he has a tendency, and I don't know why it is, to go zero coverage um, and oftentimes try to come with some either exotic blitz or even at times an all-out blitz. And you saw Gary Patterson and TCU take full advantage of it. Even that Max Duggan throw on that third and 14, I mean, you can tell – he, he was just told by the coach, just throw it up there. If you can just get it up there, our guy has a chance at it. It wasn't a terribly accurate throw. Um, and I think against Texas, that's one of the things that teams are exploiting in those. And you're talking about third and double digits. Usually third and double digits, that's when defenses have a, you know, they have a huge advantage all right, in terms of the odds and probabilities. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing over and over again, Todd Orlando's defense seem to crumble in those moments where, the odds actually shift tremendously in their favor for success, and yet ultimately they fail. Because I think the, the zero coverage, number one, you drop your chances of being a successful defense on that play. You come, you've deduced it to be in that matchup. Your yeah, guy has, exactly. Now like you, if you're confident that those guys on the outside can do it, which maybe he had yeah, been at one point, but at, at then one, if you but now, rely on, on that earlier When you got in the backups year, back in there, exactly. that's, not, that's not really conducive to success. Exactly. Yeah. And like you were saying with the cards analogy, it's exactly the same. Like if you get your dealt hand that's dealt, there's a certain amount of odds that you're going to be able to have exactly for right. the situation. Yeah. But He's a it bad doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. It, it doesn't matter what the other person's cards are. If, if mentally they think they're inferior or that you are at, at an advantage, and that's when you're playing the other person, and that's where it isn't necessarily about the players. It's about the play callers in addition exactly. to being tied to the players. And, and his then, tails. And you can, and exactly. that's when a guy can Tendencies. be like, well, but Orlando's going to be doing this because he's been doing this over and over, probably 70% of the time or whatever the numbers yeah. are. So he's like, make sure that we coach up our guys to understand that in these situations, look for this. If you identify exactly that right. pre-snap, yeah. we can get it. If not, exactly right. then we can worry about winning in the chaos or whatever. But sometimes it's a good way. That's where good coaching can actually prepare you for those situations. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the title level defense versus LSU and even versus Kansas when the quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands really quickly. Mm-hmm. That's because not only have they studied that Orlando defense, and they've been told by their coaches, "Hey, once you see this, mm-hmm. there it, it it will it will be confirmed. There, don't doubt it. Yeah. Once you mm-hmm. see it in their Orlando defense, you see that safety move, or you see that late delayed blitz coming from the secondary. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go! Don't wait. Go. 
And then I think quarterbacks get more and more confident with that. And I think that's that's on Todd Orlando's got to go. He's right now. He's got a there's a man in the mirror moment. that has got to happen for him mm-hmm. right now as a play caller. He's almost like a punch drunk boxer out there at the end. Like he's he's I mean, he's he's about to wobble. That's why in the fourth quarter they figured him out by then. And instead of. You know, throwing body blows at Todd Orlando's defense by running it. You see these stretches in the games, and I, I can point out one in the TCU game where they just decide to throw on it. They just say, you know what? Let's throw on this defense. Let's throw it. Let's throw it. Mm-hmm. Let's put let's put pressure on them. Let's put pressure on Todd Orlando. And ultimately, either the defensive matchup will fail, or Todd Orlando will have a a bad sequence or call. Yeah, risk may come and yeah, benefit exactly. us, and, yeah. and if you're being able to do that offensively, and especially yeah. in the more pass-happy football world than we've ever been before where it's more proven, even if you're a conservative coach, you have yeah. the numbers proving that if you need to be explosive, you do Just it go. via the pass, so it's worth it, going it, and it, taking the risk. Here's the, from the, the last drive of the half. Remember, when they go in that, they, mm-hmm. I think it's like a minute something left, and they get that field goal. All right, from that point, when it was 17-10 to the point where it was 30-27, TCU threw the ball on first down 63% of the time. They figured out, all right, all right, all right, you know what? Let's just throw it. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw it. We can run it, you know, if we have to, obviously, but let's just throw it and put pressure on them. And when they did, what they throw? They threw it deep. Mm-hmm. They started chucking it deep because they knew, just based on the film, Texas DBs don't play the football well. That increases our odds for success. The deep ball is basically a three-point shot or a home run. You got, yes, your odds of success drop. It's a lower percentage shot. It's a but lower it's higher returns. But it's higher returns, bigger returns. And now that's why your team is just throwing the one, deep on Texas. One out of three. Who cares if your completions percentage exactly. is 33% if you was, get an 80-yard touchdown? TC was 4 of 8 on passes 20 yards or more down the field. Yep. All right, and, and you yeah. just brought it up, dude. And uh, when you start talking right there, it reminded me of a quote that Augie Greedo and Texas fans will enjoy this because it, you're talking about putting the pressure on the opponent yep. and knowing that the DBs are deficient. And, and they're young. There are times like you saw this in the Astros game recently when Altuve went home when he maybe shouldn't, but the idea, the concept that you can, in baseball, you can put the pressure by yep. running and by going home, by then mm-hmm. flipping the field, and now a guy not expecting to have to make a throw has to make a yeah. pressure pressure pack throw. That's the same thing they're doing against the Texas defense right now and knowing that these guys are maybe a little frazzled or rattled. Yeah. So we're going to go and flip the pressure and keep putting it on yeah. them and see if they can constantly perform. And it's the same reason why you send a run area or something exactly. like that. Why, why waste body blows on Texas where you can just hit them with an uppercut and knock them out? It. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not worth it to run against Tarlando anymore. And, 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 if, and it messes up Tarlando because he – can no longer predict what you're going to do. It makes and you more old unpredictable. defensive guys don't like this. Yeah, so he his modus operandi, which is stop the run, number one, make him one-dimensional. Number two, rush the passer and blitz the hell out of the quarterback and confuse the quarterback, master of the art of confusion. Mm-hmm. And then number three, force turnovers. Doesn't work anymore. Do- it doesn't apply. When guys like Brent Deering go, I'm just going to throw it, man. Yeah. What do I mean? When LSU goes, what do I got to lose? That was at Bethel. Yeah. When LSU with Joe Burrow goes, I'm going to throw it 68% of the time on first down. When mm-hmm. Austin Kendall says, you know what, I'm going to, they throw it 65% on first down. West Virginia did. Mm-hmm. Hell, even, even TCU, TCU didn't want to throw it, but soon Sunny Cumbie figured out, no, 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 it's not worth it. We're yep. wasting down exactly. against Tyler on the defense. Let's just throw it, put pressure on them. The DBs will ultimately make a mistake, or he will make a mistake because we're we're less predictable then. And we're being if you're, the aggressors. If you're predictable, that's why, that's why Mike Gundy screwed up. Remember he came in and we said, Mike Gundy screwed up. Mm-hmm. He came into the game. Yep. He came into the game, I think, throwing the, uh, running the football on first down, I think, 
67% of the time. This oh, dude bro. ran it 73% of the time. He was more predictable than Herman. more predictable. It's like, dude, against Orlando, just go unpredictable. Just throw it, throw it, and throw You know, throw it early, often, and throw it deep. That's how you beat Tartalano's defense. That's the three rules. Throw it early, often, and deep. And the simplification of these offenses that we talk about with the numbers games at times can make you predictable, and that's what we sort of talked about is what maybe landed Gundy to doing those things. And it's sort of when after yeah. seeing the predictability of even the Texas offense or in situations, the play calling on the defense, it sort of reminds me. I mean, and we talk about the adjustment period. Like not only do you have an in-game adjustment at halftime, but after your first year or two in a conference with another one, like you can't just – have what worked and like we sort of saw it with the Rams at the beginning oh, yeah. of this year a little bit day. of stroke yeah, and it's the same thing that, it up too. exactly yeah. and and you still can change it. it's just that there is that area that you're going to have to be ever evolving so you can continue to be on that cutting edge otherwise you're going to really fall back with the pack or become predictable and what differed you before you aren't born into that because you aren't in that infancy of those first two years totally or agree. right I, I know there's a lot I want to get to defensively and a lot we need to get to offensively. But when I look at this defense, and I think, you know, like I said, the one thing that I see over and over and over, it's different ways, but it's still the inability to get a stop when you really oh, need Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that to me might be – we can talk yeah. about the three-man front or whatever. That to me is like the biggest concern is that it's a number of different ways that it's happening. But you're and that's still, on Orlando. But you're ultimately. still giving up. They're like, exactly. Like Ultimately, that's on Orlando. Like you said, either the, either the matchup's going to fail or, or Orlando's going to fail. And we saw kind of both on that last TCU scoring drive. We did. We saw drive. a little bit of both. I agree Like to me – I, and I told you guys this before. And all throughout the game. Watching it from the press box, I, I looked at TZU, like their alignment, I looked at the matchups on that first third down, and I see Stevens one-on-one in the slot with Montreal Estelle. I'm like, that's probably where they're going with the ball right there. Well, on, sure. the, first, on the third and what? The third and set, 11. The third and 11. Okay, sure yeah, enough, on that last got them on a little okay, corner yes. route. Yeah. So I was like, well, that there's that. Yeah. And then – don't exactly don't don't play the hand, play the man. And then the last one, <laughs> go with matchups against Texas. That's it. Just go with matchups. You know, it was a blitz call, and you ended up getting Tyler Owens one on one with Tay Barber. If I'm TCU, if I'm Sonny Cumbie, that's that's exactly what I want. Exactly matchups because it's not that I mean Tyler Owens was in position, but it's the insistence of Todd Orlando Rod to continue to ask guys to do things that they're probably not capable of doing or capable of handling. Yeah. No, I, like if you if that's B.J. Foster or Caden Stearns, that's one thing because those guys have been in games before. Mm-hmm. They've done those things. Yeah, but you got or it's Brandon like Jones. That. That's one thing. Brandon Jones played a lot of football. Yeah, I I can't be that mad at Tyler Owens and Montreal Estelle when they're giving up no. those plays. There were four third and double digits that the Texas defense faced. The two that you're talking about on that last drive, I counted four of them. That was the third and eleven. He rushes five, <laughs> but. He ends up rushing a day away at Mitchell, and then he drops Osai. So I'm not mad about him rushing five. That's fine. But rush your best pass rusher in that situation in third and 11. That's when Don't you can be playing Osai. poker with yourself, too, if you think yeah, you're being you know, pretty, like, like Yeah, you he, can, did, he did. He had him over the front, and then the he dropped idea. him back. Uh, then that's the third and 14. That's when he has a zero coverage. And I still, to this day, don't really know exactly what. I would like somebody to ask him what a day away and Mitchell were doing if they if they were dropping back, trying to simulate pressure, occupy, or if they were rushing. I'll let you know. Ne- I'll let you know next Wednesday when we talk. Yeah, because he brings Orlando. six initially, then two of the guys kind of drop back because they're not going to make it. I have no idea why. Anyway, uh, I guess they were just occupying and isolating blockers. But like I said that's a different football discussion. Then there's the, the early on in the game, the third and seventeen, where he plays cover two. 
They rush four, drop seven. Montrell Estelle mm. gives up the, uh, the the skinny post in the slot. And there's a third and 13 in the third quarter. He rushed three and dropped eight. They forced an incompletion. Hmm. It was the, it was the most conservative that we got out of Tarlando on a third. Yeah, and he just like he dropped eight, he rushed three, and he forced an incompletion. I was like, oh, keep him between the twenties. And I was praying when we got to third fourteen. I was like, oh, just drop him. Drop and what's funny is that's the type of coverage, and I was like, oh. that'll drive a fan and, crazy, and saw, but it actually eliminates that top end and explosive yeah. plays against you, which is exactly what oh. Texas sort of is most vulnerable at put right a now. Spy on Duggan and just drop everybody back would have been great. He guys, I know his sign. I saw him on the sideline. He does this, you know, like the, the huevos, the from huevos, <laughs> like he's juggling some some big scones or something. And so I was like, no, that's got to be no love, please. No. <laughs> to quote Pedro Serrano, no. yeah, I was like, that looks like that is a very aggressive call. Don't do it. And he did it. So I, I'm with you. Marvels? I think if he, if if he, everything in Todd Orlando's nature is naturally aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive. And I think this is a year where ultimately I think it will be best on everybody if he just erred on the side of conservatism and said, I must have. You I don't have the third, personnel you used to. I can third anything up, third and eight plus, man, I am dropping everybody back, you know what I mean, yeah. to tackle everything in front of. And I think it's so hard for him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just really hard for him because – and even he came out with the four-man front in this game. We can't say Tarlando's not trying to evolve, guys, that, because he is. He came out in the four-man front mm-hmm. um, at times. He, well, and that's where he, he, he dropped eight. He played the cover two. And the thing. He's trying. He's trying. It ain't working, but, but it, he's trying. Did y'all listen to Herman uh, when he did his, the re- rewind watching the tape back on Longhorn Network yeah. last night? Because it was the first time that I've ever really noticed him make a point to point out, though, that we need to have our coaches make sure they're putting these guys in situations that they need or that they're capable of of fulfilling so that, that, that's, that exactly and, and, it, and it was and he said it I believe three times I counted and I haven't heard Herman really yeah. sort of admit those type of details on a nonchalant show like that but there was no press conference he this did. week so like you, hearing it from him was exactly sort of what if you were a fan and wondering what he was going to say it's like well at least that aligns with ways that you might be able to fix this. he admitted I think Brian Davis might ask the question that he did not like the defensive schemes yeah. yeah. Remember, mm-hmm. he asked him about Todd Orlando. He's like, no, I, to me and Todd Orlando are good. I love Todd Orlando. And it's like, do you like the schemes? And I believe he said, no, I don't, I don't like the schemes. schemes. Yeah. Doesn't like um, where the defense is at right now. Yeah, so I think he wants to be a little bit more conservative, getting back to your time about your, your point about putting guys in a position mm-hmm. that they actually don't give them uh, undue what expectations. Do. Yeah, like, don't, <laughs> no, he can't do that. Tyler Owens ain't there yet, so don't put him in that situation. Right. Don't put Montreal Estelle in that situation like he's Brandon Jones. Exactly. He ain't Brandon Jones, you know what I mean? So give those guys more. But I will say this. The DBs are, are are horrible at playing the ball, and this comes from a guy myself who was horrible at playing the ball. Yeah. But at least I got my hands you on the, the ball. ball. You just didn't catch it. I didn't it. catch it exactly. <laughs> There's like, a big I, difference but, between playing the ball. You know why I didn't catch it, Matt? Because I knew I was going to screw up You're and just give up a touchdown up. trying to catch the ball because I wasn't Nathan Basher. Yeah. I can't play the ball in the air Bat like Nate. Down. So uh, most of the time, I end up playing the receiver most of the times. Hips, hands, and eyes. Mm-hmm. That's what I played. All right, hips, hands, eyes. I knew I could get on the inside hip all the time. I played man coverage. If I ever got beat at the line of scrimmage, oh, that's easy. If I couldn't stand in front of the receiver, didn't get the jam, redirect him, then boom, find the inside hip. Find the inside hip. It, he can't go anywhere without the hips. If they drop, that means he's running the stop route. If he's running, find the inside hip and then look and lean if you're lucky enough to find him. But before that, if his eyes get big, if you're close enough to see that him, means the ball's that coming. means the ball's coming. <laughs> he can't do anything without his hands. So last resort, just play the damn hands. Don't play anything else. Watch his hands. 
hands. Watch his hips in his hands. His hands got to go up to get the ball. Then you just, you get, you know what I mean? I, I don't understand what they're being taught. What's the panic plan? I still remember it all. You yeah, see no, your mind, in my memory. Your you know mind, I mean? mind also works well, fast. And you can process saying, so you I have don't understand, like, like, what are they doing when the ball's in the air? Like, how do they not know yeah. how to play it? How do you not know to play the hands if you're behind? If you are, if you're Montrella still and you're in that cover two, how do you not understand the route concepts that if you're in cover two and there's no number two threat for my cornerback out here uh, in the flat, then he is going to carry the number one. So I don't even need to lean that way. I got a number two guy. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I can almost jump that right. Almost becomes a little bit man to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And I can be late on the outside because that throw is going to have to be in the back of the end zone, the corner of the end zone, and I got time. What I don't have time for is the skinny <laughs> post. I ain't got time to break on that. How do you not understand that? How do you not understand that Max Duggan is not going to throw intermediate routes? He's not. He's not going to throw the comeback. He ain't an NFL quarterback yet. He ain't throwing that. What is he throwing? Short routes and deep routes. That's what young quarterbacks do. That's what a young Sam Ellinger does. So how do you mm-hmm. know in the route tree when a guy's running, he's already eliminating routes. When he passes seven yards, he ain't running nothing but a deep thing. He's running deep. He ain't running the deep six cut. How do you not understand this? That's what I'm saying. Young DBs, you got to study the game. They're not studying the game. And so I'm getting on the young DBs and I'm getting on the assistant DB coaches and everybody else. You got you, These young boys ain't studying the game. I can tell. The youngsters don't – you can tell they're not that, – that thought process is not happening in cover two. And what's the route scheme? What's the route concept? What's my responsibility? And what can I do and within, and with, within the rules of this defense? Mm-hmm. They don't understand that. Yeah. They don't know how to play the ball. So as a young DB – when I was doing that, I remember learning those things like, oh, Coach Kenneth, when you get big, a lot of scrimmage, what are you going to do, baby? <laughs> find the inside hip. Find the inside hip. Find the inside hip. Why? Because right there, if you're on that inside hip, he can't go anywhere. There, yeah. I don't, uh, Rod, I know, I know you're I a guy. You're a guy. Going. You're, I love it's it. Upsetting. You're a guy that's talked about how your competitive edge, uh, especially when you were at Texas, was just studying film and trying to be smarter than, than everybody I else. I had to. Uh, mm-hmm. And Ahmad Brooks, I know Brooks has said the Brooks same thing. Brooks is like that, too. And it's funny you mentioned playing the hands because I remember – uh, I think it was last year. I want to say it was last year's Texas Oklahoma State game. I was in Oklahoma City in my hotel room, and the Tech Iowa State game was on that morning. And I think it was one of the Iowa State DBs trying to play Antoine Wesley, and the end zone Wesley's you know six five. Yep. And Brooks is talking about the same things. Like when you're a smaller DB, he's like you've got to play the hands. He's got you got to shoot your hands. He's like because if you try to play the ball against a six five receiver and you're five ten, you're screwed. That's not a matchup you're going to win. You can't. You physically cannot high point that football. So you got to play the hands. And I'm like, wow, that's just simple. But it's guys that just study the game and see the game from that position. Yeah, pick up those little things. And and that's another thing, right? These guys are terrible at playing the ball, and you're not seeing it. From week to week, get better, and it's right. not. It's not just the young guys. It's the veteran no, no, no. guys too. It's, it's like, all the DBs. Like how long? Yeah. Do, how how often do we get on Chris Boyd for having bad eyes? No, you're right. Yeah, eyes in the back. Deshaun Jameson, Deshaun Jameson, that touchdown he gave to Rager. Mm-hmm. He is literally. And he he does number one. Dude, if you find the wide receiver, find the receiver. Even if you're playing zone or you're playing man, you still got to find the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a I'm it's not like a Rod. You've forgotten. <laughs> you've forgotten. You've forgotten, you forgotten more about DB play than I'll ever know. And I don't. I can't tell you what coverage guys are in unless I really go look at it. I can't tell you in the heat of the moment. It's it's hard. But I do like know if I if I'm in my back pedal and Jalen Rager's running by me. I'm screwed. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you got to turn and run. How do you know? They weren't – all they were running were, were quick stop routes, and then they were either running deep routes. And I don't understand how you don't understand. Oh, no, that guy's run. Jalen Rager, he's definitely running deep most of the time. You were already in a stride. They had you. You know what I mean? Like and that's something that if you running. don't know with your football IQ, your coaches should be telling you when you get to back to the sideline, like that's eliminated from their well, route. 
possibilities. If he was in zone, he played it wrong because he at the wrong leverage. He ended up being inside, and Jalen Rangier ended up on the outside shoulder of him, passing him up. So he didn't feel the receiver or identify the receiver. If he was playing man, even worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> because you were basically in no man's land. You didn't even play your man. You played your own zone. So it's, I'm telling you, man, it's it, it's upsetting as a young as a DB watching the young DBs because I know how talented they are. I know how talented yeah. they are, but you can tell right now that they aren't studying the subtle nuances of the game because they they're right there. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. It'd be different. They were broken coverages. No, like you're like, oh, he's gonna pick no, it, exactly. and then he does. <laughs> he ain't, and then oh, he's touchdown. Right. Oh, yeah, he's like they're right there, so they just they don't know when to look and lean. They don't know to play the hands or the eyes, and you know it's just that stuff like that, man. And I. Listen, I know they being taught that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I nasty Nate's over there and Michael Huff, over Huff Daddy there. over there. So I know they being taught it because they. But it's they, about those guys, applying they, it on the yeah, field those guys in were, real time. They learned it when I learned. They were in the same damn room I was in when Coach mm-hmm. Aquino was teaching it. It's, I think defensively though, people are like looking for an answer. Like, well, is it all Todd Orlando? Is it inexperience? Is it injuries? And my answer is all yes. It's a gumbo. Yes. yes. It's a gumbo, baby. Yeah. It's Can't a perfect storm. Can't put your storm. finger out one thing, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes, you do if have experience. that exper- easy to be fixed, it'd be fixed. Yeah. Yes, you do have experience issues. Yes, you have had injuries. Yes, Todd Orlando's calls are bad. And yes, guys aren't making plays when they're put in a position to make plays. Agreed. The times that they are, it's not happening. So it's just like, like you said, Rod, it's this – it's just this toxic soup of funk that is the Texas defense right now. It's all on Orlando, though. He, he's supposed to be able to figure out how to mitigate the damage, and I think even Tom Herman understands he's not doing that right now. I think they're really bad at self-scouting, too. The fact that Tom Herman admitted that um, they were surprised that Max Duggan threw the football on them. And I'm like, have everybody, you, have you watched this? Everybody you played throwing the ball on you. Dude, everybody's throwing the ball. Rod has a great point here, though, because like it's a main thing in fantasy is it isn't how good the player is. It's how bad the defense you're facing is. Yeah. And that's the idea of production that, yeah, of course they haven't ran or thrown on anybody else. But when they're pay- facing a team that's struggling stuff in the past, they're going to attack that, and you should know that because that's how you would attack the Austin defense. Kendall, most attempts of his career – uh, Jalen Hurts most attempts this year since his freshman year at Alabama. Carter Stanley second uh, most attempts in his career uh, behind the 48. Joe Burrow it was the most attempts in his career at that time he, at Auburn. Uh, sorry, against Auburn he had 42. Everybody's having career. I mean, everybody's throwing the football. So the they're gonna the next team's gonna try to throw it. Even on guys who we know weren't necessarily yeah. competent season passers were deciding we're going to throw it. And you were shocked that Duggan, who also – After Carter had, Stanley. Yeah, had his best season. That you remember – I'm sorry, his best game that he has of the season. And it's like, you guys don't self-scout then. No. So what are the analysts around there doing? Because they're supposed to be doing what the hell I do on my show, mm-hmm. which is say, this is how Texas is going to get attacked. This is exactly how I would attack Texas. And you don't Tom know – Tom Herman's like, an offensive mind. He should know that that's, that's how what you me, do man. is you go – that's, uh, that's an odd statement. That's a, you, He did. He made that statement. I know. I know. You but remember, that, that was an odd one. That's you remember that 20 12 defense when there was like that run of guys they were giving up 100 yard rushers and guys were having like career days yeah. running the football and at some point it's like look regardless of where they rank nationally in rushing or what the tendency says everybody's going to try to run the football on you everybody's mm-hmm. gonna wonder and you know what they're gonna do 
they're going to make that quarterback a plus one in the running game. Carter Stanley mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily that, but they did it. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State's done it. You are, that's one of the things that also stresses a Todd Orlando defense. Throw the ball early, often, um, and throw it deep. But also, if you're, even if your quarterback's not, we talked about Taylor Cornelius, right? Corn dog. Corn dog. Corn dog yeah. ended up being a threat running. Patterson every, would have done that if the passing yeah. didn't work. It was yeah, just the exactly. passing well, worked, yeah. so he had no reason yeah. to go to the option number two. I was just saying that also is a stress. It's a stressor, and he can't. Todd Orlando's defense really can't handle that really well either. Um, and I think that's what hurts him in terms of why he doesn't want to just drop guys back into coverage. He thinks he'll get beat but that way to, too. To your point about quarterback plus one in the run game, Rod, you look at TCU's rushing numbers, Darius Anderson, 9 for 27. Mm-hmm. Shewell Lanalua, 16 for 48. Who was their leading rusher? Max Duggan, 13 for 72. Yeah. Then a touchdown. Yeah. It's the quarterback. It's hard for the – his defense to account for it, especially with these with these linebackers. I mean, you, that's right. It's like, it's like I said, like yeah. you can you can in this league, you can have Delia Day away on the field, yeah, or you can have Jawan Mitchell on the field. And I realize like injuries, you have to play who you got to play. Yeah, but if you got both those guys on the field, you're going to get exposed. Agreed. Period. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. It's not. It's not. And that to me is on Todd Orlando. That's, yeah, that's Delia Day away and Jawan Mitchell. I think are giving you what they've got. Yeah, but, but you need to design the defense you. around yeah. like their their strengths or their and try to cover set. up their weaknesses a little bit. Yeah, what you're doing, and I, I agree. The, the one thing though that, that I think aggravates me more than anything with this defense, and like legitimately aggravates me, and we've talked about this. Like we I talked about it with Manny Diaz, and we talked about it with different Texas DCs. Like, why would you do that if you've got that call that asks that guy to do that? Mm-hmm. Get it out. It's a bad call. As God is my witness, if I if I see Joseph Osai drop into coverage twenty yards down the field one more time, I'm crazy, I'm gonna man. launch myself out of the press no, box. No, it's unbelievable. Window. No, I'm serious. Like I don't he's your either. best pass rusher. Best pass. Rusher. You are you are not getting like you're he's not your getting a pass rush with your down lineman. Period. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen this year. Nope. It won't happen. Your best pass rusher, Joseph Osai, Rod. Why do you insist on dropping him into coverage? That third, that like I said that third and eleven. Why do you insist on using him as a nickelback? He drops back into coverage. I'm like. <laughs> Dude, and in the next third 14, he's the one that almost gets the sack. And to your point, Jeff, yeah, not I'm only is our, I'm with you, man. Not he should only, be Sergio Kendall in this defense. Yeah, and, and not, not only is he upsetting. the best, but he's the only one that's, like, above average. So when you're talking about the idea of a win above replacement or, like, what is left to pass rush, yeah. that's a cratering drop between the two whenever you're taking him maybe back into now. I don't know how his confidence is in the other guys to drop back because maybe he's just confidence in Osai. Being able being to able do a anything. tool yes, that can I do totally it all, yet still you have to understand the opportunity cost that comes well, with what you do with each position exactly. and what you're left with. It. If ah. you are if you are going to rush and you want to actually you know you want to emphasize pass rush on that down and you rush five, that means you're emphasizing pass rush over coverage. Joseph side needs to be one of the five. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're emphasizing coverage, I understand that. Then you drop your guys back. But if you're going to emphasize pass rush at any time and Joseph side is not one of those guys, then you messed up. It's a bad call. You back. Pretty yeah, much. you need some Back type off. of Pretty CB. Much. You messed up. Yeah, I don't know what you did. They had him down. In the, they had him a traditional defensive end in those four man. You know what I thought one of the best plays they had, they had Rod? Four, if four, you look at you look at TCU's first drive on the yeah. third and one, when they start in a three man, they fan out. They end up in a four man line. Osiris got his hand on the ground. They yeah. run blitz Jawan Mitchell. Yeah, and they stuff Shea Will Lua for no gain mm-hmm. on a third and one. Yeah, like I'm like, okay, that that was a run blitz. It was competent. You look good. All gaps are accounted for. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Great. <laughs> you're you're off to a good start. Mm, they, yeah, but they saw those plays. It would be one thing too, like if you did like like I go back to like what Charlie Strong staff justified using Malik Jefferson in the middle, and it's like, well, if you use him in the middle, if you don't have him to on one side, it's tougher to game plan for him. We can like get him out in the open, and he can run and do some other things. 
I don't like it, but at least you're justifying it to me. Like yeah. to me, if you were so if you were using Joseph Osai as an inside linebacker, you say, look, he's our he's our most instinctive defender. Having him in the middle of the second level, at least we can do some different things mm-hmm. with him. He can be in a position where we can move him around and do some things. Fine. But if you're just having him to one side of the field and he's dropping 15 yards into coverage, uh, you're yeah, you're wasting. It's him. basically like offensively when Cade Brewer's out of the game and you insist on still going to 11 personnel and Reese Lato's one of your receivers in a pass route. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's not doing anything for you. Yeah, we we, we got to talk about that too. So, unfortunately, but so this is a it's a huge the bye week is huge for the staff. Period. It, yeah. it's kind of one of those as you said, Rod. It's the man in the mirror moment for a lot they of guys. Might have to reset on that staff. Honestly, one of the changes I would make, look, if you're not going to use Chris Adamora, which I didn't think Chris Adamora was bad in the Oklahoma State game, and why, if you're forced to play young DBs, why you're not using him in some of those situations? That's I, true. I don't know. Yeah. You, do you honestly know what I would do to change this week? One change I would make. I would move Brandon Jones back to deep safety. I would train Jalen Green in the nickel. Uh, I I might agree with you on that because I was thinking about that even when you had because you had your corners now healthy and I was gonna say you could even think about training Deshaun Jameson because I remember you saying that Deshaun Jameson could be a a good nickel because he's kind of natural he's good football instincts um, or even Anthony Cook because I know you played him inside I was thinking the exact same thing because I think Brandon Jones now with you giving up so many deep balls yeah you just need somebody back there who can play the deep ball and maybe you'll start dri- dropping him back uh, yeah, as a center because if you got if you need somebody in a cover yeah. two that's going to understand route concepts and responsibilities exactly. it's going to be It'd your be senior that's played a crap ton of football in the totally big 12 yep. and you know why i like Jalen green and nickel he might be your best tackler in the secondary he's physical he is physical yeah. but then i will say the nickel not everybody can cover that two-way go in the slot so but hell rob could it be anywhere like what, what what's the alternative at this point like what, uh, what, what that's like why, that's like, why brandon <laughs> jones there is that's why he's been so crucial because there aren't a lot of guys who can who have the hips to be able to cover that slot with the two-way go. Most of the guys will get abused in that in that role. But hell, it couldn't naturally. be any worse at this point. No, right? no, it could, but Brandon Jones has actually been. No, no, but I'm saying level. like Brandon Jones to me yeah. is more valuable you, like to you, you said, on the it back means end. You're vulnerable on the back end in terms of the deep balls you've given up. And I bet if we track it since Brandon Jones has moved to nickel, they've probably been Texas has given up more deep balls. Last couple games. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like they've given you've up seen more a lot deep balls. So, yeah. No, I did I, I actually did here's my, my study. I did a study on the amount of deep balls that Texas has uh, given up versus Power 5 teams, um, they've allowed teams to complete 43% of their deep balls so far this year. Now, if that you're like, oh, I need some kind of perspective on that. Astounding. Sam Ellinger last year had the highest deep ball passer rating in the Big 12, 126 uh, point, I mean, it was 126.3. And it was second in the Power 5, fourth in the FBS. So he throws really good deep balls. He has Colin Johnson. He's got Devin DuVernay. He's got Brandon Eagles, who's like averaging 19 yards a catch on 19 receptions. He's got deep, great deep ball weapons. His deep ball completion percentage is 33.8. Yeah. Okay. A third so that's is really good. good. The, really the, good. Exactly. It's like a three point shot almost, right? Uh, in the NFL, the, uh, the average completion percentage like on 25. deep balls is 37%, oh, wow. actually. Uh, so that's your NFL like elite quarterbacks. My yes. point being, right now, if you take if you take Kansas out of the equation, because Kansas threw 18 deep balls against Texas, because <laughs> Brent Dearman watched a lot of film. By the way, Tom Herman might need to think about hiring that guy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was so he was so smart. He figured out, no, no, let's just throw it against Texas as much as possible deep because they can't cover us. And they threw it 18 times. You take them out of the equation because they skew the numbers. Texas is allowing teams to complete. 53% of their deep balls versus Power 5 teams. By the way, Colin Johnson last year, one of the best deep ball threats in the country and still is. Damn, we forgot how good Colin Johnson was. Yeah. Man, when that guy's out there, you On forget the how side, good he What is. he does in the sidelines, <laughs> he's going to be – 
It's it, absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. He's, we'll talk about him. We yeah. talk about the offense, but his deep ball catch rate last year fifty three point eight percent. Just absurd. So basically. If you take Kansas out of the equation versus Power Five teams, hmm. if you throw it deep against Texas, everybody's, everybody's Colin Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> You're basically we've made, we've made him everybody all American. Colin Johnson. Yeah, everybody should go deep. That's how bad the deep ball great, uh, great status study. is right now. Yeah, the You're, deep ball defense. You're basically playing the RG three Baylor offense every week. Yeah, and a smart team's just going to throw it production. like that all the time. Yeah. yeah, and Iowa State will, and everybody changes up against Texas for that no. reason. Yeah. Anything else we want to say about the defense, guys? I mean, I think we pretty much. I think we did a good job of summing it all up. Yep. Uh, Quite comprehensive. Who had the best game on defense before we talk offense? Brandon Jones. Yeah, Brandon Jones. Yeah, I agree on that. Brandon Jones had a good game. Yeah, I'm good. Really, really good tackling <laughs> in the open field. He had Got the, the interception. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll give, I'll give an honorable mention to Joseph Osai because any production he gets when he's playing twenty freaking yards off the line of scrimmage is. And with a shoulder injury, don't forget the guys. Yeah, the guys I, I just, that just, yeah. I just can't get over that, Rod. Like it's, it's one either. thing, okay, bad week, bad that's calls, say, whatever, fix it. No, he's still mishandling like personnel, floating out there. Like that is to me, that is personnel malpractice. When I mean, you had a guy like that, that is that good on the front, and you got him dropping back in coverage. But anyway, I understand. They, yeah, we can they, talk about that for another. That could be a whole podcast in itself. Mm-hmm. Is Texas last? And he's still balling, by the way. <laughs> is Texas last in the Big Twelve in sacks right now? Uh, I can look it up. No, I, have no clue. It, I, I think it it was TCU actually, but <laughs> now T, TCU was last in forced turnovers, so they had five going into that game, and then they end up with four. So I don't know where it is right now. Give me a second to look. Looking uh, at Texas sack rate, if we're just looking at national sack rate, 112th in the nation, 4.1 percent, and then standard down sack rate is 78th, and passing down sack rate, which is a worrisome one. One nineteenth. So in Ooh. passing down situations, when you have because in passing downs you can't take away. Is that D line so matters that overall? Uh, this is going to be D line stats, <sighs> but this makes sense that Man. on passing downs, our D line is one hundred nineteenth at getting sense. home on the quarterback because especially by third and fourteen. Yeah. Then when everybody's injured, so you have to wow. have more people to cover. Then you have even lesser of a pass rush, and they have no chance of getting home. So it's just a bad marriage. Texas is uh, ninth out of ten teams in the Big Twelve in sacks per game, one point six three. Only K State is worse. That's ninety seventh in the country. What did you say the standard down sack rate was for D line, Matt? Seventy uh, ninth, I believe, or seventy eighth. That's 78th. not, that's not bad. It's not bad. It's not about good. Worse not good. Than, yeah, worse than average, but still not bad. 78th, 4.6%. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I, it, anyway. it's almost it, it's almost not doing us any good to talk about the defensive issues, Rod, because it's the same stuff every week. Uh, Yeah, but I think we get more clarity on it. And, and if Todd Orlando, whether he's ultimately this, week this was a little different. Yeah, but ultimately this is Todd Orlando's. You know, he's kind of coaching for his job, honestly. I think a lot of us feel that way. I, I and if, if it continues mouth. to deteriorate, then I, I think, you know, they may be forced to make a change. If one of them breakups, it's just best for both worlds yeah. to move so, on from here. But I think if Talando turns things around and, you know, and is able to kind of figure out how to solve some of these issues, and I think – he could very likely everybody be like, oh, everything's fine, and I think everything's fine with Todd Orlando and Tom Herman right now. But if we if but we continue to see first love this, type, because yeah, this it, is yeah. like him and Orlando's it, is DC. Like, it, there's a little bit of an no, attachment, so it's just talking about that's a complex no, no, no question. No, and I agree. Yeah. And Tom Herman doesn't want to make changes, but I will say when the players come back healthy, when you get because they're expecting they're expecting BJ Foster and Case Foster Stearns, McCulloch, McCulloch Overshone, so all you get, those guys, you get all those guys back, back and we still have these issues. That'll be the ultimate indictment yep. of Todd Orlando because I think most people are assuming right now uh, the injuries have a lot to do with it, and I I believe mm. that too. But 
if they come back and it's it's worse. Yeah. Well, that, and then especially if say like after, and this is assuming you get bowl eligible, but after you get that bowl camp where you get like you know a couple yeah. of weeks of practice, because yeah. that's actually a time where you can get healthy. Yeah. You can implement things. Texas, and you can show signs yeah. of improvement. Yep. So that's going to be a big one, and totally no agree. matter where we to go. To me, totally it's, it's not even about the Tom Herman Todd Orlando relationship. To me, it's at some point like I've talked about with Manny Diaz and with Vance Bedford slash Charlie Strong. At some point, do you lose the players? At some point, do the players start thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about? Lose trust in the system. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're right. That can happen. Yeah. That no to me doubt. is what Tom Herman has to look at. It's, Tom no Herman doubt. has to take any self preservation, personal feelings. He's got to take it out of the equation. Oh, yeah. If he sees those guys have lost confidence in Todd Orlando, at that point, you got to do something. That's now, can you get it back? Yeah. I mean, if Texas wins out, then. And it goes to the Big 12 Championship game, then we're, we're obviously talking about defensive improvements yeah. at that point. With that said, I don't think we've seen anything in the last four weeks that leads us to believe that that's going to happen. I have, I have, I have. I, listen, they, they were dreadful in, in tackling um, before this game, and they only missed nine tackles, and, they, and, and that tackling wasn't the issue. They did miss some crucial ones, but that wasn't a big issue in the game. So I'm assuming that tackling is improving because it was such a glaring issue. Todd Orlando is open to evolve. He did have the four-man front, which people have been like he's been listening to sports radio, like people have called <laughs> for. He did one run with four-man front with three down linemen. Yep. We did exp- he did experiment with some new looks, some simulated pressure. You know, he's dropping guys back in third and double digits at times just to try to be less aggressive and err on the side of conservative. I- I'm seeing growth from Todd Orlando. I don't know if it's enough. I don't that's know what I'm if saying. it'll I don't know if it'll save the day for him. Yeah. But I am seeing him grow and that's that, that's what I want to see from a coach. He's in he's in tough times. The injuries, the youth, the inexperience, mm-hmm. it being in the Big Twelve, I think Matt's right. He's been exposed. I think the film is out there now in Todd Orlando's defense and what the uh I think the, the weaknesses uh, structurally are of it in terms of the integrity of the defense defense and all things he's got to correct and I also think him as a defensive play caller he's in a bit of an identity crisis yeah. right now because I think teams are or at least offensive coordinators they're playing him more so than his defense they're they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. trying they're, they're basically trying to put hit put pressure on Todd Orlando and force him into making a mistake as a play caller so he's got to go into all those things but I did see improvement it is baby steps but I saw some right I and mean, I'm just talking about just the totality of no I totally get it you know have you seen enough in the last four weeks at of least to not. believe they can win their last four games no no of course right. not but right. when and then yeah. once you get some bodies back. But you got a bye week. Is, mm-hmm. Exactly. And then that's the main thing that if, like, say, that group and you get some guys back and then you continue to have the same structural problems within the scheme and the defense, then the confidence stuff that you're talking about, Jeff, could maybe come into play. But I don't think with these just backups and random inexperienced guys filling in, they're nowhere yeah. in a level to even have confidence in the scheme. They don't even have confidence in their own play right now, and it's just sort of you know filling the gaps until those guys get back. Yeah, uh, this K State this K State game is shaping up to be absolutely pivotal for the program. Um, we'll have to carry offense over, maybe carry it over to next week, but let's get as much oh, done yeah. as we let's can while we can. Yeah, we got time. You know, I, I said you know I've said for a few weeks. Hey, even Sam Ellinger's bad games aren't that bad. <laughs> no, his bad game was pretty terrible. That was a bad, bad game. That was the worst. Is that the worst Sam Ellinger game we've seen? Yeah, easily. Probably. I, I haven't seen him for sure. 
I think it might be the worst well, Sam I I've seen. The, I'm not sure. The Texas well, Tech game his freshman year at the end was really Texas bad. Texas Tech, he had that meltdown, but well, he was a freshman. Co- so as a freshman, I think my expectation Agreed. for Sam was very different. Now, right. with, when, with, now with what I've seen, the growth from Sam, this is the worst game I've seen from yeah. Sam because now I know what kind of players. Since at least Maryland two of those pictures last, solely since... on Sam. Like two of them still Tom Harmon said just one. Oh, just one? That's what he said. I'm with you. But it's about. He said it was just one. Yeah, miscommunication. He made a few mistakes. Ellinger made some obvious mistakes on a few yeah. passes, Sam, but then some receivers made some mistakes agreed. on, so yeah. Sam said after the game, the one to Tra- uh, that Trayvon Mooring picked off where Jared, Jared Wiley was Wiley going the sideline one. Sam said he was trying to throw it away. Herman said he wasn't. Sam said he was. So. And I thought that was interesting because I mean, when you think about it, we, we've talked and bragged about how Sam Ellinger and Tom Herman almost now, they, they echo the same, you know, uh, you know, just kind of coachisms. They say the same things, starting to sound like one another, and they do have this hive mind. And that's interesting. It's the first time they literally about the same play, like two totally different, different views of it. But I <laughs> wonder, like, oh, though. Like, no, nah, he was trying to fit it in there. It was like, uh. Okay. I wonder, though, how much of that, though, Rod, like Sam, that's Sam right after the game saying, no, I was trying to throw it away. Guy made a great play. And that's after reviewing the film where Tom Herman's going, no, bull crap. You tried to fit in a window and. Okay. The, the no, it could be. It could be. Could be. I'm just saying it's rare that to the public they don't have the same opinion of something. But that and anything to, right after a football game, sometimes you, I would assume you're as mentally exhausted as other. Like you know, might just but be honestly, sometimes on. Usually that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. when you get the the, the meat because yeah. after that you got time to think about oh, yeah, it and the craft the response. Not there, you let so some I stuff honestly, out. I think that he probably was trying to throw it away. That hey, Mike, I'm gonna go to, with what Sam initially said. That speaks to how disjointed the offense was. Exactly. On Saturday, though, that's my point. I mean, yeah. it just. And, you know, I think we go back to this part of the defensive discussion really bleeds into the offense where you say teams have figured out Todd Orlando. Well, teams have figured out how to defend this Texas offense, at least the, the better defensive uh, I'm with you. And, and it's about breaking tendencies. Yeah. And to me, that's – we could talk about, you know, figuring stuff out. To me, the breaking tendencies is the bigger overall topic on offense because in that matchup, Gary Patterson broke tendency. Yeah, he, he, said, hey, yeah. he said, hey, we played a lot of man, decided to mix it up and play more zone this game. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like this Texas the coaching staff, players executing, whatever you want to put it on, they did not do a good job right of breaking tendencies. And, you know, even, even at a point in the game, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, at a point in the game where Cade Brewer goes out with an ankle injury, and yeah. at that point you've got the opportunity, okay, now you can really switch it up and – Whatever 10, 10 personnel or 20 personnel, whatever personnel grouping you've been working with, now you can go with it. They just rolled with their 11 personnel and just kept on chugging. Yeah. Um, and to your point, I, I, get back to the red zone because the red zone is probably one of the most glaring reasons that Texas lost this game, right? Five red zone trips, two touchdowns, two field goals, and you missed a field goal. So I gave the stat out, I think it was right before the Oklahoma game, that's, that remember the tendency about first down in the red zone? Mm-hmm. That Texas was actually throwing the football yep. 70, basically 79% of the time on first down in the red zone. This is right before the Oklahoma game. And that, it, it, certain, it was it, so extreme that they were literally running on all first downs when they before they get to the red zone. Just no, to it go was crazy. That. Yeah, I think their, their, actual, uh, their actual pass rate, uh, run rate, they were running the ball like 50. They were, they were passing the ball like 56% of the time on first down normally, just on first down. But then in the red zone, it was like 78 or 80. But in the red zone, it, it, it increased exponentially. It's like 79%. But Sam Milling was really, really good when passing on first down in the red zone, he was, I think he was 11 of 14 at the time. So he was completing around 76% Mm -hmm. of his passes. And of those 11 completions, seven of them were touchdowns and two of them were first downs. Okay, so fast forward. 
So since I, I threw out that stat, Texas is 2 of 11 when throwing the football on first down in the red zone. All right. They had six first downs in the red zone versus TCU. So in the last four games, they're two of 11, throwing the, uh, throwing the football on first down in the red zone. They had six first downs in the red zone versus TCU. They threw the football on five of them, and they had only one completion, one for one yard with Devin Duvernay. All right. So TCU and yeah. Gary Patterson knew going into this game, to Jeff's point, oh, dude. They throw the ball on first down That's in the red Poker zone. They're going to throw the ball on first down in the red zone. Don't play anything else. First down in the red zone, they will throw the ball. And Texas, on first down in the red zone, threw the ball and were unsuccessful. And I think the last four games, teams have figured out, and they've been saying that to their guys, mm-hmm. hey, first down in the red zone, Texas is going to throw the ball. Be ready for it. And what was an advantage for you throwing the football in the red zone where usually you would unleash Bam Bam Sam and teams were taken aback by it and surprised by it. Now, with all that film out there, four it or five games in, it then, was then. Now, but now it is. Now it's not. It's the film. Yeah, now you got to flip the script on it and it's yes. still doing it. I'm you like, got to keep them off balance. I mean, if, if, if Rod B figured it out, there are guys that are yeah. paid money to watch film that have figured that out. Yes. Tom, you got to break that up. So, uh, to your point, they're, they're, they're becoming very predictable. And that's that constant tendencies. battle of trying yeah. to be ahead of that edge of those tendencies it's why people envy what belichick does or literally talk all the time about what shanahan's done since he's taken over offenses everywhere he's went because to stay constantly ahead because then you're in court it becomes that poker game again and you know that they're going to be something that should be expecting it so you should have the it isn't a gamble necessarily at that point if you go against the grain of what you're doing even though it's going against conceptually what you believe they're going to do. It's like you're yeah. playing the other coach at well, that point. look at those interceptions. How mm-hmm. many of them look like the DB was choreographing the route mm-hmm. for the wide receiver? I mean, they, that, that Devin DuVernay route, man, jumped it. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of those routes, the guys just jumped them. Yeah. This, yeah, they, uh, yeah. they just filmed. They film knew, oh, okay. Football yeah. IQ, just and how, like what you were saying. And how often that you we wanna... talk about the wide receivers, they all kind of run the same routes. You know what Brandon Eagles runs, Colin mm-hmm. Johnson runs. Duvernay, they but all those run the positions same routes. Run. Yeah, you it's, ran the slot fade, and TCU wasn't ready for it because, oh damn, they never run the slot fade. No, hell, Jake Smith was wide open when he gave him a little, uh, little juke, mm-hmm. and then went on the slot fade. Why? Because you never run it. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not. They're not even. T- Gary Patterson is all about tendencies. Why am I going to tell my guys to cover something you don't run? Mm-hmm. All right, that's why my guys are aggressive in jump routes, and they never run a slot. Realize, fade. wide open twice. You realize <laughs> if you break tendencies, you got it wide open. You realize pretty much every time they run the wheel route close to the red zone, they score on it because they hardly ever run. They hardly it. ever run it, and they don't use their running backs in that way anymore downfield as vertical threats. I'm with you. I think they. I, I think they should use your twenty personnel um, now that they. You know, they don't have the. Did you see that they used it once? Did, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. About had a <laughs> heart attack. <laughs> I see him in the backfield. I'm like, oh, my God, they're, they're there like together. Around, it's Roshan Johnson, Keonta Ingram together, and then Roshan motions out. That was the one that it was like the the, yeah. the swing, the full flare pass yeah. to Ingram that they, they counted as a lateral. There are some things. They threw yeah. some wrinkles in there. Remember they would start off tight, and then they would have kind of the star burst. They would all spread but out. Jerry they, Patterson said gave them some problems. Exactly. It just preached that motion yeah. and shifts. It, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's good. So you got to throw more of that stuff in there, and I don't think we've seen enough of it. And, and like I said, Colin Johnson, Colin Johnson is, we forget how good he is. But considering 
how they just throw him out there on an island and they never move him around and never use any scheme or innovative way to get him open. Dude, he is really freaking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's way better than we give him credit for, man. Sam's going to miss that dude because think of how many contested catches he just pull hauls in. Or the catches that no difficulty. other person you've ever seen in your catch life catch rate, along dude. the sideline. What he does on the sidelines is absurd. It, it made me question how we judge football's going out of bounds as a runner because if you run they act like it's an invisible force field and you're out of bounds where you run out colin johnson can had that one catch where his entire body except for his ankle was still in play he's like four yards out of bounds and he's widening the field to 60 yards on that so put that guy in the slide and let him run (laughs) yeah rod that's that's another (laughs) or drag him across the formation it's almost like a deep crossing route and this this is kind of one of those deals with todd orlando too and we're seeing him kind of break out of it it's almost like if Colin Johnson can't beat Jeff Gladney, then you're just willing to just like it, it's almost him. like doing something else. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like moving him around is admitting defeat. Yeah, no, it's not. You're just getting Weird. a better matchup. It's very strange. I agree with you. Like Jeff that. Gladney's an NFL corner. Yeah. He's going to get drafted reasonably like, why, high. Why work harder when you can work smarter? That's yeah. and, and this is a I don't want to get harder off. I don't want to get too big picture. Particular. Well, hold on, hold like on. The tools they like. Yeah, I don't want to get too big picture. But Tom Herman said after the game, yeah, we just got to go back to work. We got to work harder. Nobody's saying you're not working hard. Yeah, you got to work smarter. Got to work smarter, man. Yeah, I agree. They work. There's a hard work offense, but not a smart working offense. Yeah, yeah. Like I agree. no, nobody's doubting that you're not working hard. Yeah. Like I disagreed vehemently with like I, I caught some of Bucky and Aaron on my way into on my way into the studio today, and Aaron saying it's got to be a burn the midnight oil week for the staff. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Just no. need you to add more of those wrinkles. If you're just we banging your head against the wall yeah. till two in the morning, what good are you doing yourself? Yeah, no, I agree with you. They just need to add a cut. You said TCU, Gary Patterson, yeah, they gave us some trouble. Yeah, because you hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. So now add more things. Mm-hmm. This is one thing I think they're missing. I think they're, they, they're really bad at self-scouting. What's another thing that we've talked about on this show, and I've talked about, and it's a new evolution in football at every level of high school. I want to know, and you need to ask them this, do you have a research and development department? And I know Tom Herman said, yeah, we still plays here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where, where are those plays that y'all steal? Because mm-hmm. that's what that's what that's what Andy Reid does, what Sean Payton does, is what Sean McVay, mm-hmm. Shanahan. They mm-hmm. all admit we literally have four or five guys in a room watching the best Belichick offenses in college. Drafts quarterbacks best to pick exactly. their mind. Best offense in the NFL, and I say steal me three four really good plays uh, a week. I just need yeah. to steal them, and then we will incorporate them with our own terminology within the scheme of our offense. I don't see that. Where is that? I'm talking about said he does it, but I don't know. What are these analysts doing if they're not self scouting? All right, and they're not research and development. Like, what are they doing? Well, and then? The, when you look within our personnel, <laughs> right? and you, you should be watching Lincoln Riley, right? There should be somebody in a room right now watching Lincoln Riley run plays and Shanahan run plays and going, okay. Yeah. We taking these plays. We, this is our you run game. We're gonna go right from him here. Who, gonna... Why are you not taking? You should be watching. Like, who man? I want Shanahan's running game, and because you can, you can run some with of the, our, this, this concept that they're yes, doing. Because Lincoln Riley and Shanahan, some of the counters that they do is the same stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, conceptually, I, I don't, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I still, man, I'd be Lincoln Riley would hate me if I was a, mm-hmm. a, a coach because I'd be stealing everything he does. Usually like, oh, against yeah. him, like, dude. Everything you, you did against us, I would just take it and steal it. That's what everybody's doing. Yeah, why, why don't we do and, that? And right, it's it's basically taking and, and taking the, that concept and then fitting it to your personnel. It's like nobody. I don't care if you are Kyle Shanahan or Lincoln Riley or Sean Payton. Like nobody in football is like inventing something new anymore. No. Just You're all taking stuff yeah. and then saying, okay, based on what I do, I yeah. like this. Like, like everybody yeah. looks at Oklahoma's running game like, oh, my God, the, the GT play is so – like, 
It's, it's the not, same damn counter same train like the Cowboys were running back exactly. in the early 90s. You're just doing it from the shotgun <laughs> yeah, and, and, you're adding, and out of a one-back set. some jet sweep motion to it. But you're just running a defender out, adding it's the just defender to the window run game dressing for yeah. everything. It's, yeah. All the plays, all it's about now is window dressing. And that's why that pre-snap motion that they did, Gary Patterson was like, oh, what is this? Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just combine a couple of Chico. They didn't move the pocket versus TCU. No. Not, not, what happened to moving the pocket? I thought we were going to move the pocket But more. they've been so good when they've done that this What happened year? to the misdirection that we were mm-hmm. going to see? Didn't see any of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think the offense needs to grow and evolve. And I, I think that Cade Brewer, out of necessity, it will force their hand that maybe we'll get more of the 20 personnel that you talked about and the 10 personnel that mm-hmm. we've heard about. You know what I mean? And just, if you talk about just the particularness of this offense, and, I mean, you like being able to have everything look similar and disguise things, but we haven't seen anything more than within, like, variation within a position because they have very particular agree. skills within. So when we talk about – predictability like you would like to see something new that's inventive because if each role is sort of almost clearly defined and only mm-hmm. has a, a well or you know universe of like a certain amount of options within it it really can dumb down what would be a complex or very good offense whenever you're just almost compartmentalizing yourself into things and then because you're so particular about specific roles within it totally it agree. keeps you from thinking outside the box incorporating new ideas with guys in different positions that the defense yep. hasn't seen, and then it just sort of keeps you from being inventive beyond what that base offense is. Yeah, every in, in every defense, and this goes back to Todd Orlando needing to evolve, needing to adjust. There's a way to attack every defense. I don't care what yeah. front you run, what blitz packages you have, yeah. what coverage you want to run. There's a like, weakness, right? If you're a cover three, everybody's got cover three beaters. Yeah. If you're a quarter team, everybody's got quarters beaters, yeah. and it's almost like. I don't know, like, there's – I maybe I've got PTSD from that Maryland game two years ago, <laughs> but it's almost like when the offense when, – when it's time, like, time to go into panic mode, when stuff goes bad, it's almost like they just default to that. Yeah. No, I think Tom Herman, and this is why – and like I said, I think he's still calling the plays, but, hell, who knows at this point. Um, he, he got conservative again. He was on the, the three-yard line, a fourth and one. Oh, on the three yard line, the damn field and he goal. kicked the field goal. Now think about that. Texas, I couldn't kicked, believe it. Texas kicked what four field goals now in the red zone? Four. The first one they kicked was in the Oklahoma game. Damn Your cool. second field goal in the red zone was Kansas game winner. Okay, so it makes sense, right? And versus TCU, you had two field goals um, in the red zone in the first half. In the first half, and you had a missed field goal in the red zone. But as Matt pointed out. You were on the, the, the basically the three-yard three. line with a fourth, fourth and, and one. one chance to get a first down with Bam Bam Sam, a fullback playing quarterback. And you're a physical team. And you're supposed to be a physical team, and with the you chose to kick a field goal. I and couldn't believe that. we know you like to roll the dice. So he wasn't himself in that game. I think he early on he was nervous. He didn't set the tone. You set the tone, and you know your defense ain't going to win games. You know your defense is going to get ran up and down. The goal line the, offense the, was perfect so for the you know first your 20, defense is gonna, 20 touchdowns. If you know your defense is going to get embarrassed, yeah. why the hell aren't you trying to put up as many points as possible? Why are you kicking a field goal on a three-yard line? Agreed. Why? Fully. With Couldn't Bam Bam it. Sam back there. Why? Because LSU, you still got PTSD from LSU whipping you on the goal line, and you hadn't really gone back to it since yeah. as no. much as you should. 
which is why in the red zone you're throwing the ball more than you should run and all this guy. And I and I just I, I love that you're breaking tendency and you're trying to catch people off by surprise. But right now you're not even using Bam Bam Sam anymore. What happened to Bam Bam Sam? They yes. did it uh, the on the first score on the first drive. Ellinger had the two yard run on third and three, and like you said, it's fourth and one at the three. Hell, I would have just gone tempo, gone right back to it. Right like, back to like, it. We, we, no matter what you do, you go for it there. You go we, for it there. <laughs> I think, You're a numbers guy. That I think doesn't you guys, give your team confidence. It doesn't make you appear oh, to be confident think, in physicality, all, everything. I think the three of us are on the same page. None of us have had an issue with the fact that Tom Herman goes for it on fourth down because we've all looked at the research and it all says you, you should go for it more you should often go for than it. not. Yeah, yeah. It's just you, you got a better stuff than they've had in some of these games, like the Oklahoma State game. I agree. The Kansas game. you got a better stuff. But at that point, and especially right in this game, like – you're you're not you're not gonna beat TCU if you're not the more physical team. And Gary Patterson yeah, said this after the game. He's like, whoever wins this game is gonna be the more it's a more physical football team. He's like, Texas was the more physical team last year. We're the more physical team today. I can't believe and that. yeah, I mean, that was you have to you got you got to take that man. You got let's you gotta you gotta go for that. Like, mm-hmm. Even if I don't care what tendency or honestly what football situation, if you're a fourth and one from the on three. the three yard line, it goes against who, down, like you said. It goes against who Tom Herman is. Exactly. We know he likes to take chances like that, go for it on fourth, and we know he likes to be aggressive on the goal line. He's got Bam Bam Sam. That did that was yeah. to me that I, I was worried right there. I was like, oh, Tom yeah. Herman's not himself today. Because guess himself. what? If Max Duggan drives at ninety seven yards on your defense, you don't deserve to win the damn game. Amen. That's what. I I was like, you know what? You're going to lose well, anyway. Who cares? You have, you'll never have a better tool than you have at quarterback bam, bam, because Sam. you don't convert that. Like, you're bam, bam, you're about Sam to run out of time on the road. That's when yeah. you need to let rely yeah. on Bam Bam Sam yeah. in a conference game yeah. in those situations. But, I was worried about that. Rod, we can talk about the offense. You know, they missed Brennan Eagles, who had to set up the game with the suspension. They did. They missed Brennan Eagles. But th- th- really, for Texas, this this offensively came down to, to two reasons why you lost. Red turnovers. zone and turnovers. Red zone and turnovers. That's, That's it. why you lost. And you still had a shot Telling even Mac with the turnovers. And, and, and the thing about the turnovers is you forced two turnovers, but they, they were always negated, right? Because, one, you forced a turnover, I believe the Brandon Jones pick, and then Sam turns it right back over, right? He throws the interception, I believe. Uh, like, literally, I believe, the, is it back-to-back? It, back? it might be back-to-back. Um, and then you get the 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 fumble recovery, and I believe yes, right yes. that was that back to back. Yes, and you get the fumble recovery, and man, we get Miss Philgo. I believe the Miss Philgo is the fumble recovery, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So you, and if I'm, so I believe you're two, and I'm, maybe I'm off here. Yeah, inter- yes, the interception, yes. right. So the two yes. turnovers, because I went back and watched again, like, oh, you didn't get a damn thing under the turnovers. Then it ain't even no. matter. Yeah, because you had short fields had short from fields. the six, the twenty-six, and then it was so, our own forty-six or forty-four. But like it was literally almost midfield or in TCU territory for three, and you got three points out of those three. Yeah, that's yeah. That, there you go. And that's the game in a nutshell. You, and you came into the game six best touchdown percentage in the red zone in the country. Right now you're 11, so you didn't drop that far, even though you had a horrible red zone game. But, like, if you get two and touchdowns you, but, out of those three drives, that's the margin. But TCU was 126th in the country in red zone defense. Red zone they were the defense. worst red zone defense, arguably, in the Power Five. That's, and, 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 and you didn't go early in the game on fourth and one from the three. That's the most. In, that's the one thing that I've scratched my head about more I'm than I've you. seen. Because what, like, yeah. what did we talk about all week with Making this game? Like, all you got to do if you just give you TCU is tough to move the ball on. But yeah. if you can get in the red zone, you hell. Good. That's what we yeah. said. We said, oh, man, you're money. You just get there. And they got there five times. And they only mm. got, oh. Uh, so basically out of 35 points, potentially, you got 20? 
Well, you got three on the three turnovers or the three short fields. So I'm just talking about like, yeah, so you're supposed to potentially get 35 like we, points. You left 15 points in the red zone. We basically. talked about uh, <laughs> we talked about red zone or the defensive issues being combination personnel, combination coaching. Like it's got to be. When you're that bad, it can't be all on one entity. Right? Yeah. To me, offensive issues, most of that boils down to coaching. Like if I'm in the red zone, if I've got a – and granted, Tom Herman's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But if I've got a red zone call sheet, Rod – Jump past Reese Leto is probably going to be pretty far down there. That's why yeah. we haven't seen it till now. Yeah, I can't believe. But that. that's the only other thing. That was that, so that's weird. the only other. Galavante play. The jump, like, play. The jump pass is the only thing they've done off that power stretch look. So if I'm if I'm Gary Patterson, I'm telling my linebackers, I'm saying the only thing they're going to play off of it is the jump pass. Well, we never came back to the Keontae Ingram play LSU. No, he never came back to it. <laughs> they, I don't know why, but it was wide open. They should come back. And what happened to Andre Coleman's influence? He's supposed to bring in the design runs for the quarterback run game. Remember that? Well, that's what I'm saying. saying with the analysts. I don't, I don't see they, any design runs here. We went to the game because TCU had only given up 67 scrambling yards to quarterbacks the entire year going into that game. And we said, oh, if Texas is going to run the ball with the plus one to Sam, it's got to be with design runs. That's how Brock Purdy beat him up, ran for over like 100 yards. The quarterback from uh, K-State. Ran for like 60 mm-hmm. some yards, yep. doing the same thing with design runs. There weren't many design runs for Sam in that game. Sam had nine carries. What the hell? What no design? I, I don't know how many, how many yeah, of them were actually design runs. Probably like one or two. Probably. Like this year, I thought you were supposed to have design runs for Sam to protect him and also to weaponize him. Nope. But this is one of those nope. games where you, you need him. You don't need him for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I, honestly, you could argue that since he was having such a bad game as a passer. Design run, Sam, would have been way more effective. Yeah, because TCU would have allocated resources to stop him, this and then would have opened up passing windows. But that's another game thing to I don't contention right after you saw OU lost. Right? Like, it's huge. And keep your, keep your defense from being exposed. This is one of those here's, here's, big games. Here's another thing I don't understand. Don't get it. Tom Herman, and, and I, you know, Chip Brown's my colleague at Hornets 24-7, and Chip and I, we, we, we tend to disagree on football just – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like football <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. And, and Chip asked Tom Herman a question on the Big 12 teleconference this week: Is the offense losing its identity? And Tom Herman's answer kind of backed up what we were saying. And Tom Herman goes, "Well, if you look at it, we we every game we run four verticals eight to ten times a game." I heard him say and that. And I'm like, and I and, and I was recording the teleconference, and I, I can hear myself audibly say, "That's kind of the problem." No, it's not. Because you're becoming well, but. It's, it's how you run them. If you run four verticals with 20 personnel, like you said, from shotgun split back, and one of your backs is the vertical, is the fourth vertical, yeah. then uh, people go, whoa, that's But it's that's the, they're running it from 11 personnel, right? the same thing. the same formation, exactly. the same personnel package. That's why. Yeah. You can run four verticals. You can do it from – Shanahan does it. He loves four right. verticals. He runs from 21 personnel. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you just got to – you got to you gotta, you gotta freak it up a little bit. How about you put Jake Smith – how about you put Duvernay in the backfield and let him run the four verts? Yeah. Speaking you know of, what I mean? Let him be the guy right. coming out of the backfield running the forward. But you, you mentioned Jake Smith. I like, I, I don't know. So frustrating. They got to, <laughs> like, it's 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 just a shame that Jake Smith has, like, hit the freshman wall in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not the same player. Between the drop. He'll be a great dro- player, though. Dropping the Oklahoma yeah. game, the fumble in the Kansas game, and a drop this week with the with the muff punt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we all agree Jake Smith's going to be a great he'll player. But he's, he's hitting that freshman wall right now. Yeah. And it's – I just it's frustrating because I've seen I've seen Tom Herman be better. Like and I know I said the same thing after the Oklahoma game, but I I, I you study his offenses at Ohio State, study his offenses at Houston. Mm-hmm. Like they would do that, Rob. They would run four verts, but one time they'd run it out of twenty one personnel. Then they'd be in ten personnel. Yeah. Then they'd be in eleven. 
Like, you just dress it up differently. It's like we just talked about. You dress it up differently, but it's the same thing. Same thing, man. Same damn thing. Well, and also the one difference, though, and not trying to point one thing or the other, he was just an OC then. Right now he's a head coach. So the scheming ability and all of that, like that time allocation, it just isn't possible to be That's a great point, too. You know what? Then you need to reallocate resources. Yeah, you need to find, okay, Analysts and reacher development, all the stuff you were talking about. you got to bring in more guys that you trust. And that's what they did, but right now it's a different, it's a totally different chemistry amongst them. It's like you change one element from, like, Carbon dioxide to carbon monoxide, it'll kill no, you. No, like no. there's I only told, throwing one thing in there. But he's a lot. he's he he can't at this point. He can't watch Sam Ellinger regress. No, because then the whole damn thing derails. If Sam Ellinger Sam, regresses, and Sam Ellinger is, and they, they they won't admit it, but I mean the numbers say what the numbers say. He had nine touchdowns. Uh, sorry, yeah, he had 15 touchdowns, one interception in the first four games. He's got eight touchdowns, six interceptions in the last four games. You so know. Sound, it looks like regression to me. You know what that Completion tells percentage goes from 72% in the first four games to, what, 59%? Yeah. Yeah. You Sounds know what are, that tells me, Rod? Yeah. One thing that tells me. You got nothing done during that first bye week. Probably not. Probably feeling yourself not too near, much. Not near what you needed to get done. Yeah. You probably you probably thought you were better than you you were at the time, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah I think you got some false bravado probably early on. That's that's all right. I mean, it can be this thing, all these things can be corrected. We just mm-hmm. don't if they don't get corrected in this bye week, and then by 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 the time you get all the guys back from injury, you know, then and if for offense now your punters out and your tight ends out, yeah, broke like, his collar and bone, and I mean, then he went like back those, out there and punted those again. Those two things are big for Tom Harmon because you were already bad at punting. Now you're starting punters out, yeah, um, and punt return. Well, you weren't bad at punting. You were bad at punt return. Though, now you might be bad at punting, and your tight end was like that. To me, I always say that was the glue that that binded the the pro spread together, the pro philosophy and the spread ideology. And now that's going to be. Um, you know, I mean, just just a just a guy. He was much. the rug that tied the room together. Yeah, because so like here's my he's thing. Got to figure some things out. Here's my thing on Cade Brewer. If you're going to be an eleven personnel, and he's going to be in the game, I would say they're they're eleven personnel. What, right? Ninety percent of the time, yeah, probably easily. Then use him. They don't. If he's yeah. going to be out there. Then use well, him. Well, they just started trying. And they still they, they, they tried. I, I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah they, they have. Was, they were but now that he's out, yeah. and you've got a bye week, and you're getting Jordan Whittington back. Now oh, you have yeah. every reason now to start running more twenty personnel, personnel or even ten I personnel. Forgot about waiting. You can still run ten personnel. Honestly, yeah. I mean, man, we can get into it. when you get Whittington back, and then you have guys like Whittington, Jake Smith, and now Duvernay with what he can do. Yeah, man, the possibilities are endless. Actually, about personnel packages and formations and I stuff just got you can a do to get matchups. Like, yeah. So, but so if, they, if those guys come back, uh, you know, everybody's healthy. You know, after the bye week, and then. We still get no innovation out of this offense, even when it's out of necessity. Yeah, because you lose Kate Brewer. Right, I'm gonna be very upset. Can we agree that they I'll should they should not be a, a 70 percent plus 11 no, personnel? No, they offense. should be running 11 like maybe 50 percent of the time. That's when you call your bread and butter. Then after that, I need 25 percent 20. Then I need 25 percent 10 personnel. Matter of fact, take it 20 percent 20 personnel, 20 percent 10 personnel, and then give me 10. A percent of just you, I don't know. Go twenty one. Go, you know what I mean. Go funky. Do something crazy. You know what I mean. But yeah, he's got to do. He's got to. He's got to be innovative and be the guy that was considered at one point to be one of the brightest offensive minds in college football. Right now, that I don't know, if people are saying that. But I think what what this rough stretch has shown, Rod. And look, if you're in the fire Tom Herman bandwagon, then I 
I I don't know what to tell you at this point because that's not even a conversation to me that's worth having right now. Yeah. But I do think that depending on how this goes, and I think that's the unsettling thing if you're a Texas fan and what you really should be focused on is, man, these last four games, it, it could go a number of different ways. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, five and seven's not a ridiculous assumption. You could win them all. You could lose. They, they, oh, could, yeah. lo- they could lose you out. You win them all, or you could lose them all. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. They could be. That's the. They could be seven thing. and five. I yeah. wouldn't be shocked with seven and five. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked by six and six. True. I wouldn't be completely surprised if they are nine and three. But yeah. it's going to take number one a lot of changes for Tom Herman. I think depending on how this stretch goes, he's going to have to make some changes in the offseason, Rod. And I'm not saying fire fire coordinators, but it's doing things like. If you include Tom Herman as the play caller, mm-hmm. you got seven coaches allocated to offense and four to defense. Yeah, you got to fix that's that. That's totally out of line. I agree with that. You're saying imbalance you know, right now. So you just got to – I mean, to me, as much as it is finishing the 2019 season strong, we've all – me especially, we've all been pointing to 2020 as being the year. Like, okay, senior quarterback. I, I don't know about that anymore. I don't either. I, I, I think I would stop saying that because I don't either. With guys like Matt Rule in the Big Twelve and young quarterbacks, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Tonight, this year could have been it. Yeah, I think this might have been your year to sneak in. I wouldn't be so sure about that. As down as the league is, you like, lose Colin Johnson, like that, Devin Duvernay. Who's going to be your best wide receiver? Exactly. Like that, t- <laughs> that TCU team. That TCU team that beat Texas on Saturday. That's not Jake, a good team. Come on, waiting team's yeah. going to be in the Duvernay. It's not a good TCU yeah. team. Yeah, I, 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 w- I wouldn't keep jumping on that twenty twenty band. The, the, the K like State team they're going to play in two weeks. That's not a great case. That's not a great case. I don't even know if they're good. But they'll be better next year. Yeah. Will Texas. And, and, and you know Baylor will. Will Texas? Exactly. That's the, yeah, yeah. There you go. So that 2020 stuff, uh, I need to be trying to win right now. Yeah. Mm. All right. We'll, uh, we'll break it down next week, and we'll get into K-State. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. <laughs> for Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday, 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Don't forget, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives and classic interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.